Okay, so I'd like to welcome back to the podcast, actually, because you've actually been on before. Yeah. Um, founder of UFO Identified, co-host of Pursuits of the Paranormal podcast, and long-standing UK-based UFO researcher and enthusiast, Ash Ellis. How are you doing today, mate? I'm good, Frank, thanks very much. It's weird just being me on here. It's <laughs> usually the round table with like four or five of us, or so at least with Greg. It's just weird just being on my own. It's- yeah yeah it's true i'm sort of expecting to introduce a few more people but no it's just (laughs) just the two of us today so yeah um obviously many of the uh regular listeners will uh, recognize you from the the monthly roundtables that we do as we were just saying uh and some may have also attended the uh, the very popular minicon events and meetups over the last few years and whatnot yeah uh, sky watches and things that you do um but i thought before we uh, get into talking about the the UK UFO report, uh, which you've just published, which is kind of the main thing we'll be having a chat about today, I thought if you could perhaps give a little bit of background about yourself and, and how you came to start UFO Identified as well. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I've had a lifelong interest. Uh, I had my own UFO sighting when I was 10 years old, way back in 1997. We are, we are getting old. I think we're a similar age. I think we're, we're getting on a bit now. Yeah, I'm yeah. about f- 400 years of age at this stage. <laughs> You'd think so from the amount of grays in my beard. <laughs> I know, it's bad, isn't it? I get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I saw UFO when I was 10 years old in 1997. And since then, I've always been asking the question, what was it that we saw? Did they come from outer space? So I've opened up a whole world of interesting aliens, UFOs. And other just weird things like Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, all the sort of started from that UFO site when I was 10. So that sort of went on through my teens. I'd be getting books out from the library, getting VHSs out and watching documentaries, proper proper old style. And then I think when I get into your 20s, your kind of adulthood takes over a little bit and you sort of start working, getting relationship, takes a bit of a backseat. And about six years ago, sort of got back into it properly. Sort of catching up on everything that's happening. When that, um, especially when that New York Times report came out, that sort of happened a few months after I got back into it. So it opened it up a lot more. And then during COVID, I was on furlough for nearly two years on furlough. So I've been paid to be at home. Cool, awesome. Absolutely love being on furlough. I'm not going to lie. It was <laughs> a good time just to literally being paid to be home. And that's when I thought, I've got the spare time. need something to do, keep myself busy. I'm going to start doing proper UFO stuff. Just going to take the time and see what I can do. So I started looking at what was happening in the local area, which is northwest of England, and trying to find information about what's going on. Couldn't find anything. So I started looking for groups, like local UFO groups I could join, around Manchester, Liverpool, to try and see if there's anything going on. Couldn't find anything. Came across Lapis in Blackpool, but that was a bit too far to sort of go regularly. So I thought, I'm just going to do it on my own. I'm just going to be a one-man band, just start doing my own sort of research. So I started collecting UFO sighting reports, because when I was trying to find anything, 
I couldn't find anything. Anything I could find UK-based was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. There's nothing sort of current or up-to-date. Everything that was current was all coming from America. It was all very, very USA-centric. I couldn't find anything to do with the UK. I was like, okay, I'm starting to do this. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find this information because I want to know what's happening around me and what's happening today. I don't want to know what happened 20 years ago when I know what's happening today. So that's what that's what started it all, really. I was on furlough, plenty of time. I thought, I'm going to try and fill this gap of information. Because I might be out there, not be able to find it. But I don't think it is out there. I think we're the only people sort of really doing this properly. So that's when we, I started collecting, basically, UFO reports from the different databases. So MUFON, uh, National UFO Reporting Centre, the British UFO Research Association. I sort of started collecting all these reports and putting them into a spreadsheet. Then for my own information, I was just sort of looking at the data, seeing what was being reported and where, and sort of writing my own sort of little papers and did all these charts and graphs just for my own information. Didn't put it out on the internet anywhere. It was just a hobby. And I was just sort of doing what I was doing. So I started using social media and talking to other people. I was sort of saying like, oh, well, I've found this site in. A bit of a trend happened recently in this area of the UK. And the people asking me, where getting this information from. So I was like, oh, I've just been collecting these reports. I've got them all basically on my computer. They're like, oh, why don't you put them on the internet so we can see them? I didn't know how to. Um, in the end, someone was like, we could do like YouTube videos. So I started a YouTube just called UFO Identified. That was in April 2020, this was now. And then we started as a YouTube channel. And then we sort of built on from there. That was, yeah, nearly four years ago now. Is it three years ago? Yeah, come up to three years ago. We don't do YouTube anymore. Then when we sort of lockdown started ending, well, in that summer, I started thinking, like, I want to do something more. I want to meet people. Because I originally wanted to join a group to meet other people, talk to people, find out what's going on. And obviously, like I said, I couldn't find anything. So I thought, I'll just start my own group. Started a Facebook group. And soon we had about 500 members, and now... We're UFO identified. We have sellout conferences. We've got the website. We've got the database has now grown to the UK's biggest database of current day sightings and our annual UFO report, which we're going to talk about today. So it can just come from that was a lot of, that was a lot of information and I just don't know how I was going with that. But yes, that's sort of how UFO identified started really. No, that's great, man. Yeah, really interesting. I mean I, I know we'd spoken like I can't remember when it would have been a long time ago. I, I had yourself and Greg on um, on my sh- show, if I remember rightly. Um, but yeah, I've never really heard your kind of origin story in that much uh, detail. So it's really actually really interesting. It's uh, it always fascinates me how much of an impact the actual lockdown had on mm. getting people involved in this topic. You know, yeah. like I think Andy from that UFO podcast was saying a similar thing. You know, he, he finally kind of decided to take the plunge and start a podcast because of uh, the lockdown. And yeah, it was it's quite it was, a lot that sort of lost yeah. us back to having that extra time to, to actually do what you want to do rather than having to just work all the time. Definitely. Yeah. It was a bit different for me because I didn't actually have a furlough thing as such, but I ended up working from home and then I had a bit more time in the day, you know, like because 
Um, I didn't have to have the commute to work and whatnot yeah. and, you know, this kind of thing and just your hours change around. And, um, yeah, I ended up kind of stumbling into it in a, in a similar kind of way. But it's, yeah, it's quite amazing, really, when you speak to people. Like, if you think of it, I suppose they didn't have furlough every in every country around the world, but like there was you know disruptions to the normal routine and the actual yeah. knock-on effect that that had, you know, uh, in terms of the UFO topic and kind of growing the conversation. I think it's really quite significant if you think about it, isn't it? Definitely, there's loads that even just sort of websites or groups or other podcasts. A lot does stem back to to, to COVID, so I guess we can be thankful for that yeah. a little bit for for that. Yeah, pretty grim and sort of intense time, but um, yeah, I suppose it's a silver lining, really, isn't it? Um, but yeah, let's yeah. let's get stuck into the actual uh, report itself again. Uh, then, so what? Um, you know, what what kind of things can you tell us about the the reports themselves then, and, and how you actually go about putting them together? So yeah, so each month we do a sort of monthly report where we look at the previous month's sightings. I put together a little infographic with where the most popular place was to see a UFO, what shapes were being reported, what type of sightings people are having, what time of day, all these different sort of things all together. And then each month, about a week after the month starts, I'll publish the monthly report for that month. And then as we go through the year, when we get to January, I start collecting all the information, putting it into one big report which is a lot more comprehensive because when reports come in a lot of them don't come in straight away so people report stuff weeks later months later years later so whereas in our monthly report for january we might have 20 reports when i come around to doing the annual report i look back at january now it might be 40 for january mm. because people only reported those sightings later on so we spend, it takes a lot of time, but we will go through each month and update the database so we've got as many sightings as possible. And then we basically dig deep into the data. And like I say, we've got probably around 20 different sources and where we get the information from, including reports made towards that UFO identified. We had nearly 100 last year reported directly towards the loan. Uh, which is quite a lot, a lot more than they ever thought we'd be getting to us. People obviously choosing us to port sightings to as well as like MUFON or other places, which is good. And we've seen a big increase, especially over the last 12 months, of reports made to us. So we will obviously collect all this data and I'll just dig into it. I'll sort of create the charts, create the graphs, look at the data and also try and think about why some of the trends that we're seeing. And we also do freedom of information requests. We, we we contact every police force in the UK because people do still report to the police. We contact MOD, MOD police, airports, CAA, uh, Department of Energy, all these different places. And that gives us more reports for the database as well. So I think last year, it's a bit annoying now because we just had couple of replies back with six more reports that we could have had in the report that came back from the police forces, which would have took us over 500 for the year. But just very, very slow with getting back to us. As we put our Freedom of Information request in at the start of December, and they're supposed to reply within 20 days. 
So we're just getting reports back this week, which is, well, three months later after we put the requests in. So they're too late to be on the report, but we will add them to the database. Yeah, so this year we only got four reports from police forces that go in the database. Last year we got 21, or the year 2021, which is quite a lot. It's And that's genuine reports, because we actually get information for hundreds of reports. So what we ask for the instance, date and time and location, and description of what's reported, and we get hundreds back from the police forces. But many of them are hoaxes or clear mental health issues from what's being reported. So we just don't include them. We go through it and sort of see, is this a genuine UFO report? Um, so this year we only got four. Oh, you thought it was dead dry. It's all right. Um, yeah, so, and the reason why we do this is, like I said, the original reason why we started doing this was because I couldn't find this information anywhere. So I thought, we're going to fill that gap. I'm going to put the information out there. No one else is doing it. I'm going to find the information. I'm going to put it together, and I'm going to put it out there for people to read. And this is now our third annual report. And we've done it since 2020. So we've done monthly reports every month, and then annual reports for each year. And then now, because we've got that few years' worth of data, we can now compare year on year. As in, at first, it's just this is what's been reported this year. Now it's, this is what's been reported this year. Let's compare it to the previous years. Let's see mm-hmm. if we can identify trends, differences. Let's see what's actually going on. And there's some really, really surprising information as well. Yeah, we'll get stuck into some of them details in a minute, but... Um... Just uh, just quickly as well, just before I forget to mention, um, the report, just for anyone who's curious, it's on ufoidentified.co.uk. Um, the whole report um, is uh, is available to, to check out for free. Obviously, you can support the, the site as well by becoming a member and that kind of thing, which I'd obviously encourage people to do to uh, help you in, in your efforts and whatnot. But the report is up there for anybody to go and have a look at and um yeah definitely definitely worth checking out i think even if you're not from the uk it's still really interesting like you say the way you've presented it with the charts and being able to have a look at the the differences between the years i found that really interesting um one thing i was going to ask you before we get on to some of the uh the statistics and whatnot uh, you do you mentioned uh just a minute ago and it says at the beginning of the report about this thing with the um the, the MOD files requesting mm. the publication of some previously unreleased files. So can you just talk a little bit about what that's all about before we get into the stats? Yeah, so in the start of 2020, uh, the MOD came out and said they're going to be working on the remaining files that they've got and publish them in the first quarter of 2020. We're still waiting. <laughs> right. So that's three years later now. Um I did let them off at first because you're thinking COVID did happen. Government got other priorities. Fair enough, there might be a delay. In September 2020, is when I've written to him again saying, okay, what's happening? It's now been six months. Still not got anything. So every few months, we just sort of ask him again, where are we up to? I'll ask again for you to release these files. You said you've got them. Just put them out. What, what, what's the issue like? They started coming back originally, back in September 2020, saying they'd done public interest tests. It's not in the public interest to release these files, all this shit. It's like, well, clearly it is. The interest is there. It's not only me doing these 
requests. Lots of people do it. And then we got one. <laughs> we got one last year, and it's quite. Uh, I'll have to dig it out for you. I've mentioned it before on the show, I think, but it's quite. It's, it sounded quite angry in the in the reply to the FOI request. He's basically blaming us and other people for making their workload harder. It's like if it wasn't for you people, we could get other stuff done. But because you like keep writing to us about these UFO files. And, it's, and the frustration we had came across in this reply, I was like, whoa, I've been shouted at you. I was like, I've like, been shouted at what's happening. Like, <laughs> I thought I'd dig it out and send it to you, but I was like, what's happening? Um, <laughs> it's so like a some, catch, catch-22 though, isn't it? Because if they just released the files, then they wouldn't get pestered. So it's, it's yeah. one of those things, isn't it? Because they said they were going to release them. What, why is it now three years later? If they hadn't said anything, then... Maybe not as much because they said they were going to release them in yeah. first quarter of twenty twenty, which is like up to March. Why hasn't they released it yet? And then, so we're always going back. What's up about thirty back and twos with them? Uh, always trying to get a bit deeper, bit more information. Because I was trying to find out. They've done a public interest test. Who's doing this test? What does that test involve? Who's come to that conclusion? What questions are being asked? How did they come to the conclusion that it's not in the public interest? all this stuff and you always come back to the amount of money it takes as well I haven't got the resources to basically do it so in terms of public interest of spending money that's why it's not the public interest all this stuff but the one I put in the report is the latest one we've had which is just that higher priority work has caused delays basically I think there's like one person that would be doing all this and it just keeps getting pushed further and further down the pile that's what I take from it just don't have the staff to do it. So it's always fun. I love because it's always the same people that I go back into with as well. So I do have a, that's why it gets annoyed. I think he probably recognizes the name sometimes and yeah. gets annoyed with me. It's very much a mixed bag with that kind of thing, isn't it? Of like the department and things that you're actually reaching out to. If you get lucky and you've got somebody who's got a bit of a, a bit of a sly interest in the topic, you might get some more detailed replies. But somebody who uh, doesn't have any time for it, you're not going to get anything apart from <clears throat> perhaps an angry reply, as, as you mentioned. Um, but yeah, the the report says. Um, in the, in the kind of summary bit that there's uh, at the beginning, that there's 497 sightings for the year. Is that correct? Yeah. Up to January the 16th, uh, 2023. Yeah. And uh, you list uh, all the sources there of the actual uh, sighting reports and whatnot. Um, as you mentioned a little bit earlier on, some of them directly reported to yourselves and also data from groups like MUFON and uh, um the National UFO Re- Re- Recording uh, Centre, and even the, like you say, the M- MOD and UK uh, police forces. H- how does it work with the various databases like MUFON? Do, do you kind of comb their databases, or is there some sort of collaboration there? No, pretty much. The public databases, we just gather information. We credit them, of course. And so each yeah. report would say this information has come from MUFON or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it is, like I say, it is a public database. You have to pay to access their databases and stuff. New folk you have to pay for. New folk you do. Um, but, yeah, we just clean the information. The same with the other sources on there, like the other sort of local UFO groups around the UK, like Birmingham UFO Group, Truth Proof, Swansea UFO Network, all these places. We just, with them, I do work with them. I talk quite a lot to the sort of leaders of the other groups around the UK. And we, we talk and collaborate and share information. 
And some of the other sources on there, newspapers, newspapers quite regularly report sort of UFO report stories in the paper. We'll include that. At the end of the day, it is a UFO report. doesn't matter where it's been reported. And also from social media. Facebook groups where people will put a report on, like UFO Sightings UK or whatever. We'll include that in the database. Because it is a UFO report in the UK. So that's where all the information comes from. I and mean, it, is, it is the biggest database in the UK of current day sightings because we do spend the time collecting all this information. It's, it is a lot of time. But I, I love the numbers, I love the figures, I love the stats. No, not everyone's sort of into that side of it, but I am, and that's why I do it. And like I said, when I did the presentation at Minicon, so like a short one just looking at some of these numbers and stuff, like they, got, they get good feedback saying like they've never really seen it presented this way, mm. which is which is why one, why I do it, because no one else is doing this. And I just love doing it. Even if no one's seen it, I originally only did it for me, just for my own interest, and then... Because other people asked is why I did the website in the first place. So yeah, it's 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 good. Yeah, it's great. And and like you say, there's so many of them. The one I massacred a minute ago was the uh, is New Fork, the National UFO Reporting Center. Just for clarity, just wanted to because the amount of different acronyms in there is crazy. Um, but yeah, the thing is, is that all of those are separate databases, and I think basically you're sort of drawing that all together into one, aren't you, and, yeah. and presenting it in a way that's a bit more easy to digest with your, um, you know, the the graphs and the kind of graphics that you use as well. So, yeah, and, and yeah, like you say, the actual um, presentation you did at the, the Minicon was kind of like a presentation it, it sort of presented in a similar way. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I think the, the report is, is is really good for similar reasons. So let's get stuck into the actual sort of um, the stats then, into the juicy goodness. So um, the, yeah, a bit of a kind of year-on-year comparison is, is next up. And uh, there's kind of a, a similar level of sightings um, this year, or the, the year that we're dealing with, uh, 2022, uh, to 2020 but there's slightly more isn't there um in in 2022 uh, and 2021 was a bit of a quiet year by the looks of it yeah it um, did drop from 20 2020 was quite high 465 yeah. total reports that dropped to 413 for 2021 and then it rebounded back this year to 497 but the reason for that is and why there was sort of a lot of talk during 2020 of UFO sightings on the increase there was the more UFO sightings during lockdown is because when we look at the month by month comparison, which is just below that bit, March and April 2020 had huge amounts of reports, high above any other month. We're looking at over 100 for March 2020 and around 85 for April 2020, compared to an average of around 40 for the other months. So a huge, huge increase during them two months. And that was because, one, it was the start of the lockdown, March 2020. But two, it was when Elon Musk started launching lots of his Starlink satellite trains. Right. And they accounted for many, many UFO reports that year, particularly in March and April, where there's over 100 reports that were just Starlink, could be identified as Starlink satellites, because these were basically bars of light following each other, like 50 in a row, just following each other across the sky. If you've never seen that before, 
you're going to think, what what the hell am I looking at? And there were lots of reports of people saying, like, thinking of being invaded, there's all these lights in formation in the sky. So you can understand why people sort of fought that. And that's why there's such a jump in in that that year. But if you take them off, if we sort of sort of take Starlink sightings out of there, then 2020 sightings would be below 2021. So we have right. seen sort of an increase year on year on year if we remove them, them sightings from the database, which I've not done, but it, that does explain that sort of anomaly for them two months. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I wasn't uh, aware that that was when all of the, the Starlink satellites started to be launched. I, I figured it might just be because of the beginning of the lockdown, but as you say, it's probably a combination of the two things, isn't it? Because that is literally yeah. the month when it happened. So everybody's out, you know, in the evening. I know on my street, a lot of people were sat in the gardens at night, you know, the beginnings of, of furlough and things like that. People weren't going out to work. And at the same time, it's like a perfect storm, isn't it? Elon Musk yeah. starts launching these weird-looking strings of satellites across the sky. So, yeah, that that explains that one then. And, and what he had to do, because obviously there was lots of complaints from astronomers and all sorts. So after then is when they started, I think he added advisors to the actual satellites so it didn't reflect the light as much. So when he launched after then, we were a lot dimmer in the sky. Because they were super, super bright when they first started launching these ones. And yeah. then he did actually take steps to reduce the brightness to not obviously affect the night sky as much. You see that some reports, when you can sort of read the report and think, yeah, that's Starlink. But not to that extreme of March and April. And it probably was higher because people were outside. So maybe it wasn't locked down. It probably would have been an increase, but maybe not as much. But... Yeah, so that led to a lot of papers sort of talking about increasing UFO sightings that year, increased during lockdown, but actually there wasn't. Data that I've got shows there wasn't an increase during lockdown. It was kind of the same to, to previous years, really. Yeah. Like you say, if you take that out of the equation, then there does seem to be a sort of a, a trend towards slightly more reporting as the years go on. Yeah. Um, also, a bit of a spike there in July and August 2022 as well. Looks a little bit higher there. You know, the little blue, they look slightly higher than the other months. I suppose yeah. that could just be because it's summer and everybody's out, perhaps. Yeah, so what I put this down to, because obviously this was August last year, there was a lot. Mm. And even when I was just sort of updating it as the month went on, I was like, this is high. I knew early on this was going to be a busy month. I was like, what's going on? And it so the way I thought about it was it's the first summer since sort of COVID ended. Mm. So maybe more people are sort of out and about, sort of not stuck inside. Maybe that's why it's sort of been an increase. More people are out and about. Also, we've got the news coming from the USA where it's sort of looking to UFOs, these new task forces. All that news is coming out during last the last year or two. So is there just more been more mainstream coverage where people are sort of thinking, oh, that's interesting, looking up, seeing something, thinking they might report it. So all these things that sort of tie in and sort of the things that I consider, obviously we don't know why. It could be that it's just more, maybe there was more aliens coming in August. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's just, like I say, it's just one of the stats. That's why I like to put the stats out there. You can sort of spot these trends and sort of talk about why. Why do we think? this is happening yeah i sort of like to think might be a bit of an optimistic take but you know perhaps the 
the age-old stigma is slightly breaking down and people are actually a bit more willing to have the conversation. You certainly think, you know, with the, the kind of balloon or whatever they are, I don't want to say balloon, I'll start getting hate, hate messages again. <laughs> but but, um, but no, with the, the, the shoot-downs of unidentified objects recently, the, the talk that that has got in the mainstream over the last couple of weeks, what you know, whatever those objects actually were, that's going to be interesting to see how that translates into the figures, you know, when you do next year's report sort of thing. It will be interesting yeah. to see if there's any spikes there. Definitely, because we, we had a massive media inquiries over the past week. Um, A lot I didn't even see because I was on holiday and they had no data, no internet. So when I did log on to my phone, I was on land, I'd get in these emails. I had The Guardian, Jamie Kyle Show, all these different newspapers, Daily Post, Daily Record, all by saying, can I give us information, give us quotes and stuff. I missed them all just because I wasn't, (laughs) didn't have the internet on me. Uh, But I know other groups had the same, where the media inquiries had just come in thick and fast the past week. And like you say, we spoke earlier, they were referring to as UFOs. Yeah. UFO shot down, not balloon shot down. UFOs and reached out to UFO groups about yeah. these objects, which is crazy. Because I, I missed it all. I had no internet for a week while all this was going on. I missed it all. So I came back on like Saturday, just gone. So I finally been able to actually look into it a bit properly. Um, and I see it's all these balloons, government said it's balloons. So I was like, "Why, why are UFOs involved at all? What's I couldn't I'm not not looked into it enough yet to think why is that link there? Because I didn't see it unfold. I only saw sort of afterwards. I still don't know why that link. Why would these be UFOs or anything? They're balloons. So it's all been a bit, a bit mad. Yeah, yeah. It's been a fascinating uh, couple of weeks. I mean, like we said a little bit before we started recording tonight, we'll, we'll be talking about this in a lot more detail on the roundtable next week. Um, but yeah, I, I've been the same. I mean, my inboxes in all the various kind of like accounts that I have just been getting so many more messages over the last couple of weeks. And what's really interesting as well is that the um, there's the so many different takes, you know, like it's, it's crazy. All, all the different everybody's got a different idea about what was going on there. Some people think it's the beginning of a rollout of disclosure from the government. Other people think, nah, there's definitely nothing going on. It's just balloons. Some people are convinced that they're, you know, some kind of anomalous non-human craft. Like there's so many different takes. It's a bit overwhelming really trying Mm. to figure out, you know, what's going on there. But interesting. And at the end of the day, you know, I think, uh, like I say, it's going to be fascinating to see how that sort of, translates into the actual figures that you know that you get of sighting reports and the knock-on yeah. effects i think it's going to be fascinating to see yeah, as things I'm looking forward on. to because on the website you have identified you also have a news database where for every month we link to any news article in the uk that talks about ufos so like national newspapers local newspapers so you can go to any given month and see what was in the newspapers that month so you can sort of go back to like april 2020 and have a look what's being talked about you can sort of spot trends there as well. I've not done February's yet, so I'm going to be going through all the news reports from the past couple of weeks and putting them all on the database on the, on our website. So I'll be able to see then sort of what was being said and all that. So I'm looking quite looking forward to that, seeing uh, what was being said. And we talk about that on Tuesday. Yeah, on definitely. Table. 
that's it. Yeah, we'll we'll get stuck into that. So if, you know, we we'll hear and anybody who's interested in hearing more about that, well, I'm sure there'll be plenty of opinions flying around as usual on the round <laughs> table. But I think you know the the interesting thing for me, what I'm trying to focus on is you know we we don't have all the information about those shoot downs. We don't have any videos of the objects. We, I mean, that may come out, but I sort of suspect that it probably won't. And you know. As, as you know, if you're trying to get to the bottom of any case, you need all of the data and all as much facts and different eyewitnesses and information as possible to try and make sense of it. And we really don't have that and we probably won't. But what is interesting for me is the kind of knock-on effect and it's got people talking and what that might lead to. And, you know, the fact that the yeah. president was basically forced to kind of come on TV and address it and things like that. And obviously he didn't really say a great deal, but it's still just interesting, isn't it? That the topic was kind of thrust into the mainstream for a week. You know? Yeah, definitely. And I missed it all down the internet for a week. I know what a week to go away. eh? Unbelievable. Crazy. <laughs> But yeah, so moving on to the, getting back to the stats, uh, locations uh, is kind of where you, you go next. Uh, the various different parts uh, of of uh, the UK and uh, where whereabouts uh, the sightings were kind of the highest and whatnot. Um, and it, and you mentioned that that London was kind of the lowest um, for sightings, and the southeast and northwest were the highest. Yeah. Um, so, so why why do you reckon that is, and and is that sort of similar to previous years? Yes, it is very similar to to previous years. And I mean, you have to look at population density. The southeast is a very populated area as you come out of London. So you got the Great London area, and then obviously you got going down to Portsmouth, Kent, Hampshire, all these places very very densely populated, and that is the most popular area last year. Had the most reports, seventy five reports altogether. Followed by the Northwest, again, very densely populated. You've got Manchester, Liverpool, Preston, Chester, all close together. Lots of people in, in kind of a small area. There's not much open land in the Northwest. Well, and take it up to Cumbria. And they're the second highest reports. And that's been sort of the trend the past couple of years, where the Southwest, Southeast, Northwest have been up there with being the most reported area. But what I like to concentrate on is obviously they are densely populated, so there's more people. Are they just getting more reports because there's more people? If you live in the place where there's only 10 people live there, they might not get any just because there's not enough people to see anything. So what we've done for the past few years is worked out a formula, what we call the ROS, which is the rate of sighting, and we work out number of sightings based on the population so that doesn't matter what the population is if it's more dense populated or not this formula breaks it down into where is the most popular place to see based on the number of people living there and then further down the report we sort of have the two tables side by side where we have the table of most the number just the basic number of reports like southwest first of 75 northwest of 68 we put that side by side with our rate of sighting table and you can see how it changes but even though they've had less sightings when you look at it per population it's actually more likely to see a ufo in this place so for 2022 the southwest even though that was the third most popular region for number of reports it's actually the most likely area to see a ufo 
based on population density. Mm-hmm. Where this is, comes a bit anomalous is London. I'd like say London being very, very densely populated is bottom on that table, so the least likely place to see. And when we think about regions, reasons why that might be is one, light pollution. Obviously, lots of buildings, not much open land. Can't really see the stars in London. And also, everyone's very busy. Everyone's rushing about. Everyone always seems to be busy. Things to do. Not You don't really see people just chilling out. Everyone's just head down, avoiding each other. That's my experience when I go to London. I hate London. Yes. Yeah. So everyone's rude. It's just not not a nice place to go. Um, so, yeah, London was the least, most likely place to see the year for last year, with the southwest being the most likely place to see, based on our rate of sighting formula. Yeah, fair enough. And by the way, no offence to any Londoners out there, just to kind of redress the balance, <laughs> I don't mind a bit of London. I've been to London quite a bit over the years to do uh, various music-related activities. But, yeah, I know, I, know, um, I know what you mean. It's definitely... Light pollution is an issue, you know what I mean? You, like, you can't really look up and do a bit of stargazing in central London. It doesn't really work like that most of the time. So, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, you might be able to pinpoint some UFO hotspots by using your rate of sightings kind of method. And it might be a good way to identify places that are good for, for sky watching, eh? Yeah, definitely. Like, we have the heat map sort of showing which region sort of Dark is red for most likely place and obviously getting lighter to the most least likely. I do want to sort of dig deeper into sort of more county wide on that side of it. Um, we do we do go into the counties and find out the most popular counties and all that stuff as well. But in terms of the weight of sighting, we've not done it for that just because the sheer amount of work that that will take just to dig down into county and even town level is just it's far too much work it's something we'd like to do just to get that extra level of because obviously like so just say in the northwest or the southeast these are big areas and we got like cumbria might only have a couple whereas you have manchester has loads because manchester so we talk about counties manchester greater manchester for the second year running is the most likely place to see ufo greater manchester's had more than any other county in the past two years which is cool because we're both manchester yeah <laughs> manchester based that's what it's all about <laughs> and at first i thought is because we're based in, the, in manchester have our figures from our report sort of skewed that because mm. are we getting more reports from manchester when i look we don't we hardly get any from manchester not right. compared to mufon and the other databases it is generally great manchester is the most likely place to see ufo just just is and that's awesome because we live here which is uh that's cool excellent i've not had much uh luck finding any ufos in the sky but i'll i'll keep a look out because it turns out we're in quite the hot spot aren't we um yeah just a, a side point as well um i know you don't really kind of cover these kinds of cases in the report but um do you ever get any reports of like um cattle mutilation type things or have you are you a familiar just outside of that of any that take place in the uk um no the only one i'm aware of recently was about two or three years ago and i think that was in yorkshire i think that's your topodin way there was a couple mutilations going on that other groups looked into 
Uh, but it's not something we hear about. It's whether they're not getting reported, whether it's just not happening. I don't know. But it's something we'd love to get our hands into. To sort not, of dig not into. literally, hopefully. <laughs> no, I, I was literally, I was. I was. <laughs> gloves on, but I'd be in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's not something we, we've had, um, fortunately. Hopefully. It's, I'd yeah. love to sort of, well, obviously I don't want any cattle to be killed, but I'd love to, to be there if they, if they did. Yeah, it's, it's it's something I've thought about quite a bit because obviously in the north of England, I suppose in probably other places in in all all over the UK as well, but north of England's got quite a lot of um, you know rural areas, and if you're driving from one city to another, you inevitably go through a lot of those areas. And you know, whenever I'm driving past all these kind of farms, farmers' fields with with cows everywhere, I always kind of uh, think to myself, I wonder what you know what what side of things goes on from. The UK perspective when it comes to cattle mutilations. I even thought at one point of doing a bit of leafleting, but I don't think farmers would be too receptive to it. To be honest, they're probably more concerned with the day-to-day running of the farm, aren't they? You know. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. But it's interesting to to consider. Um, who knows if any farmers listening, get in touch. <laughs> um, but yeah, another thing uh, that was an interesting statistic, and we talked about this when we uh, were at the meetup in Manchester uh, a couple of weeks ago. Now, I suppose, isn't it? Um, is the 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 most common time to see a UFO is between nine and ten p.m. on a Saturday, and um, you go into um, uh, a little bit of detail about why you think that might be the case in the report. So, can you perhaps talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So this is for two years in a row again. Uh, the most popular time is between nine and ten p.m. on a Saturday, even though this year to twenty twenty one there's a twenty percent increase in sightings. The trend still stayed the same. That between nine and ten on a Saturday, twenty twenty was between eight and nine p.m. on a Sunday. So it's kind of shifted. Still the weekend, still that sort of time, but it's still between nine and ten. And like I say, I put a couple of sort of theories that's what I think might cause that. And the top one is one that I don't like, but when you sort of say that to people, so you actually put out a post on social media saying. This is the most popular time. Why do you think this is? And most of the replies were because people have had a drink. People are out drinking. Might be taking something else as well as drinking. So there's they could see something that normally they would not think anything of because the mind's altered a little bit due to the influence of alcohol. They are kind of misinterpreting it and thinking they're seeing something weird. And they might wake up Sunday morning and be like, oh, remember that what we saw last night? And then end up reporting it. So that's one sort of reason is alcohol, which you can't discount due to the time. However, Friday nights don't have the same result. Friday nights were the second least likely time to see UFO. But people still go out on a Friday. So... Where I live, Fridays are busier than Saturdays. Mm-hmm. So why aren't the same reports coming in on a Friday if alcohol is the case? So there's a bit of argument against it there. Um, the other reason a fair eyes is as well is during the week, people are just busier. People going to work all day, coming home, having tea, going to bed, watching a bit of TV, going to bed, and then repeat it. Whereas at the weekend... They've got more time to just slow down, have a bit of a chill, 
maybe take the dog for a walk at night. Even if you are out having a drink, it might not be drunk, just outside the pub having a smoke, and they're not drunk, and they see something just because they're outside and taking the time to just relax and not rushing about, which might be during the week. So that could be another reason. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know. I think probably the 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 main thing that people will jump to from that kind of stigmatized response probably would be that people have had a few too many beers on the way home from the pub and that. But like you say, the Friday thing is a really interesting kind of counter argument to that, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I was just thinking perhaps on a Friday, people are still a bit like hyped up from the, the working week. Whereas on Saturday, you've had the whole of the day to kind of relax a little bit more. Perhaps you might, you know, be a little bit more thoughtful and, and sort of just, you know, do a bit more stargazing. You know, Friday night, you kind of just finished. You're just trying to get as mm. many beers down your neck as possible. Not me. I tend to drink in moderation, you know, just to throw it out there. But you know <laughs> what I mean? There does tend to be a bit of a tendency uh, for that kind of thing to go on in, in pubs on a Friday evening. But, yeah, maybe people are just a bit relaxed by Saturday evening and a bit more likely to kind of have a relaxed walk home and, and look up at the sky a bit more. I mean, I don't really know, but that's kind of occurred to me when you were talking there. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's I mean it is what it is. I don't I mean stats are stats. Obviously you can interpret stats how you sort of interpret it yourself. I don't particularly like that stat for that reason because it like say it adds to this thing Yeah. Like, oh it's only when they're drunk. And in fact, I think it was a Daily Star did an article last year based on my data saying that and it's literally talking about being in the pub and seeing UFOs and stuff. That was literally the, the, the story. Um, so I wish it wasn't that, just for our own sort of trying to get away from that side of it. Um, but it is what it is. When I'm, when I'm adding to the database and I'm adding the date and the time, I'm like, why is it a Saturday? Why is it 9 o'clock? Why can it be 7 o'clock? Why can it be Tuesday, 1 o'clock in the morning, those popular times of UFO or something random? But yeah. it just is Saturday night and that is what it is. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting to see if that trend kind of, you know, persists again, you know, for that's, that's the thing, isn't it? When you notice these things, you can keep an eye on them then for future, future yeah. reports and, and see if it's a persistent trend, you know, um, another one is about the shapes. Uh, so this one I found, uh, quite interesting and uh, the most commonly reported are, um, star-like and orb with, yeah. uh, 126 and 80, uh, respectively. And, and interesting to see. 35 triangle and 34 disc on there as well which i tend to think are perhaps a little bit less ambiguous possibly um although i suppose there's still the possibility of of misidentifications with any shape um but yeah what what are your thoughts on the the trends around the the shapes yeah so the top two star like and orb again for the past three years they've stayed steady at the top star like we sort of referring to it looks like a star or looks like a satellite in the sky, and that's what people describe them as. It looked like a star, but it moved, things like this. And again, Starlink, in the name, they look like stars. It's basically a light in the sky, is what people are seeing. And they see it moving fast or moving erratically or changing direction, so you don't know what it is. So same thing, all thought it was a space station or a satellite, but then it changed direction and went a different way, so it can't be, Yeah, which is fair enough. Uh, but again, with these sightings, there's not much to go off. It is a very distant, pinpoint of light in the sky sighting. Uh, 
discs and triangles always, always there. Always sort of been a staple of sightings, always the famous ones, classic shapes. And we see cylinder up there as the fourth most popular type. And because people describe things differently, uh, a sort of group descriptions together. So a cylinder shape would include when they reported it as a cigar shape or a tic-tac shape, class them all under sort of the same grouping. Otherwise, we'd have a list of 200 different shapes because there's that many different shapes. Like triangle, people say like a chevron shape or a delta shape or a V-shape, kind of all the sort of the same shape. So I'd group them all together just to not have a big, massive list. So, yeah, like I say, these are all very standard. And the trends stay the same year on year. There's very little difference in the shapes being reported, which is interesting. Ashley's just having a little bit of a cough there, so I'll just uh, inject a little bit of filler until he's, until he's cleared his throat there for a minute. I thought it was that bad. No, all right, mate, not to worry. I've um, got a bit of a cough myself, so the mute button on my microphone's <laughs> been getting well worn during the course of this. It's that time man. of year, isn't it? Throat's just totally dry. Um, yeah, like I say, triangle dish shapes, s- cylinder, tic-tac shapes, spheres, always quite a popular, common, important shape. Don't know what that means. Are people seeing stuff that's unusual? Are people just misidentifying what they're seeing, exaggerating what they're seeing? Sometimes when there's like a video accompanied with it, they'll describe it as a shape. And I watch the video and I'm like, how are you getting that shape from this video? Mm. Like it, it's nothing like, people say like, oh, it's a disc shape and it'd be like a single point of light. I'm like, how are you describing it as a disc? Like it's just people, particularly if you have like a deep rooted belief in UFOs, aliens, you're more likely to, maybe exaggerate, not on purpose, just the way your mind is, because you have that belief, you have a firm belief that there are aliens coming or whatever, your mind automatically sees something more than what it is. Whereas someone looking at it subjectively, like we do, they'll see it for what it actually is, not what they believe or want it to be. So you always have to sort of look at reports that way. Because you've got to think, if someone's reporting it to a UFO database, have they just Googled it and found this database or are they already in the subject so they're more likely to report something because you already have a belief so they're going to see something normal and think it's a UFO or something more than what it actually is. But obviously, we don't know. We don't know this. That's just a bit of conjecture. But So I've got yeah. to take a lot of this with a pinch of salt. Yeah, absolutely. It's all part of kind of deciphering the the raw data, isn't it, really? I mean, I remember when I started the the podcast, I mean, it's been near enough two years now. I don't know how the time went, but um, I remember in the early days, I did a bit of uh, sky watching and uh, it was amazing, really, how much is actually moving around up there. Like you say, the International Space Station and various you know other satellites moving around and and even you know things like planes and stuff i know it sounds daft but sometimes a plane can look a lot like a triangle and there's a surprising yeah. number of different light configurations that planes use and whatnot and there was the yeah. the, the, the glossop triangle case that i 
did quite a deep dive into and that looked like a black triangle and you know i sent it to a lot of people and really dug into it and dug into it and 97 percent of the investigation being done i was pretty confident i'd got a black triangle video and then the last three percent was like nope it's a plane you know and it's it's easily it's easily done isn't it and um yeah, it's important definitely. to it's important to do that um you know if you really want to get to, to grips with what's what you've actually seen isn't it sort of yeah. thing yeah like you say with planes different configurations of lights there's landing lights there's fog lights there's all sorts of different things so you've got a plane that's got its headlights on bright literally so, so there's two white lights that you wouldn't always see on an airplane Especially during the daytime, you won't see it. But if you see them at night, plus with the like the wing light, and if it's at a certain angle, you might only be able to see the three white lights. And it'd mm-hmm. be in a triangle formation. You just can't see the rest of the plane or the other red or green lights on there. So it just looks like a triangle. But yeah, like you say, a lot of these things will be explainable, sadly. Yeah. But like you said, you know, the, those are the, the really interesting ones are the ones where you know, something stops halfway across the sky and then goes in a different angle and you're thinking, right, now we're talking sort of thing. Those are the ones we live for. I think it was what you said <laughs> yeah. you said to me when we had that chat the other day at the, uh, the meet-up. Um, you've got to go, been like 500 reports in this, in our report, because we don't make any judgments on these reports. Because hmm. what I like about what we do here is this is fact. What we present to people in our report is fact. A lot of stuff in this subject is opinions, thoughts, experiences, and there's not much tangibleness to it just because of the nature of UFOs and all that stuff. What we present is fact. So I can say for fact, there were 497 reports made in the UK last year in these locations at these times, and this is what was being seen. These are the shapes. That's all fact. I'm not going to make judgments on each individual case. That's not what we do. But these were reported to whichever organization. And this is what this is based off. This is tangible stats, which we can then, like say, use year on year to identify trends or anything else that's, that, that's going on, which is what I like about it. This is all true, true stuff that can't be argued. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, that's kind of uh, a really, a really key thing as well is for, for people to, to actually report sightings because you know I, I mean i would encourage anybody who sees anything report it to ufo identified because it can start to form you know that that bigger picture and you know you can the more sightings you've got the more easy it is to actually identify those trends and things like that isn't it and obviously yeah. well, that's what we all want at the end of the day to sort of get closer to some truth and understanding and all of this and like you say it's, it can be quite frustrating all the speculation is, is great you know i like to speculate we all do um but it's it's nice to have something that you can point to as like you know a pretty definitive fact isn't it and at the end of the day the more reports you get yeah there's going to be some of those reports that are misidentifications and whatnot but you know the more reports the more chance there is of being able to identify trends and actually get to grips with what's really going on isn't it yeah, yeah, and, and we do investigate reports made to us. We'll get out there. We're going to speak to the witness. We do full in-depth investigations and reports, which are available on the website to look. But obviously, the bulk of the database comes from other sources like MUFON and MUFON, where we don't investigate them because they're not our reports, and we don't have like, the witness details to go out and speak to them. Which in some of the reports I say, I'm like, I wish, because I don't think MUFON do anything with them. 
And some of these cases, I'm like, I wish I knew who that was. I need to go out there and try and dig deep into this case. I want to come onto in a minute and did cut. I wish I could get out there and do more. And so, because it, because it didn't report it to us, it's to Mufon or New Fork. I don't have that information, so we can't sadly. Yeah, well, I'll come back to you about that one that you said that you wanted to come back to in a minute. Um, but yeah, I think the other key thing as well is anybody who is thinking about reporting or anybody who you know perhaps isn't thinking about reporting right now, but you might see something in a few weeks or months or whatever, is to try and log as much of the information as you can, like where you were at the time when you saw it. Obviously, if possible, to do a photo or a video, uh, you know, maybe have a flight tracking app on your phone as well perhaps even like a i think the satellite tracking apps you can get as well and yeah. the more of these things you kind of check yourself you know and get all that information the easier it is for somebody like yourself or um you know me when i do have the time to do it or whoever um to actually do a really thorough investigation isn't it like the more points of yeah. data the, the better really isn't it for that kind of thing yeah for sure for sure so what was the did you say there was a case you wanted to talk about there yeah, so the next segment of the report, we talk about the sort of the rating mm. of, of the sighting, and we base it on the Dr. Alan Hynek's close encounter scale of sightings where you've got nocturnal lights, daytime discs, close encounter, the first kind, and so on. So majority of the reports are what we class as nocturnal light in the sky. And where we changed this year from last year is last year we just did basically one sort of category UFO seen at night, basically. But this year we split it into two, where nocturnal light in the sky, which would be, like we just talked about earlier, a star-like object, a light in the sky. You can't really see anything discernible on there. It's just a light in the sky. And we also added a night nocturnal craft. So it's seen at night but there's some sort of shape to it. It's like more something more physical to it rather than just being a light in the sky. So the most common reported was uh, a light in the night sky. But there were 78 crafts in the night sky reported as well. And interestingly, 184 daylight sightings. So, which is quite a lot. It's just under half, but that's still quite a lot of UFO seen in the daytime, which, and that's been the same last couple of years as well. I think last year was nearly, pretty much nearly 50 50 in 2021 of nighttime and daytime sightings, which is quite surprising for me. <clears throat> yeah, definitely um, a bit unexpected that. Obviously, you'd think that they'd be, uh, you know, a lot less chance of, of seeing something like a satellite or the plane with the lights on and things like that during the day. Mm. So, yeah, that's pretty interesting. But, yeah, so, I mean, I suppose, like, um, we should probably, uh, you know, talk about some conclusions as well. We sort of, um, I think we've covered uh, most of the bits that are in there, but obviously there's there's so much data and information in there that, you know, anybody who, who's uh, hungry for more can check out the full thing on, on the website. But, um, yeah. Is there any uh, other conclusions that you wanted to mention? Uh, so I wanted to briefly talk about the Freedom of Information stuff. When we talk about certain different replies you get, because we speak to all the police forces in the UK, it's such a wide range of responses. We get some that have literally said, we're refusing this because basically it's a trivial matter and not for any serious purpose. And that's the reply we got to it. 
So I, I hit back at that. I was like, I'm not having this. I was like, so written back this big reply, like, your head government spent millions on this every year. NASA looking to this. What part of this is a joke? Blah, blah, blah. And anyway, they did reply with information after that. Then you get other forces. Please, Scotland are very, very helpful. They are absolutely awesome. And we, we taught them quite a lot throughout the year. And also some police forces will. So like I mentioned before, there were some reports where a lot of them were mental health issues, clear hoaxes. A couple of police forces will go through. Instead of sending us all of them, they'll go through each individual report and dig out the ones that they think we're actually looking for. So, they'd be like, so there was one, I think it was uh, West Mercia. They said there was like 54 incidents, but like 52 of them were not relevant to your thing. It was all like hoaxes or whatever. But these two we found interesting. Thought you might want to know them. So they're taking the time to actually look through it and think what we're actually asking for and not just saying it's a joke like other police forces do. Um, but we're actually working on something on this sort of thing based on, because we've had like four years of responses to these now, sort of build, working on an article around different sort of responses and police approach to, to the whole thing. And the police do investigate UFO sightings in the UK. We have that as fact. They do respond and investigate UFO sightings. No matter how much the city don't, they do. We have we have that fact, which will be coming out very soon. So, but on, on a whole, I mean, sightings are up 20% from 2021. Could that be because of the sort of, is that stigma breaking down? Is the stuff that's happening in the USA, is that coming over slowly and people are being more open to it? Is the press coverage getting better? I mean, ignore the Daily Star. That's just never going to change. Where you've got people like Daily Mail doing decent articles. You've got The Guardian, Independent, doing decent articles. We're working with The Guardian at the minute, uh, which hopefully will be out in the next couple of weeks, doing a proper, serious article looking into everything that's going on in the UK. So, again, is it is that helping? Are we going to see an increase this year? Are we going to carry on building on and on and on? We hope so. Yeah, definitely. I think there's there's quite a few uh, areas to keep an eye on as well in terms of like things that might improve slightly. You know, like the the pretty poor responses that you get from FOIA requests from certain departments and things like that. As as time goes along, perhaps that might improve slightly. You know, if the stigma breaks down, we might see more reports. And so we are in a bit of a frustrating position in the UK that we are kind of waiting for that knock-on effect to come down from the States because a lot of the official positions in the States, I think, have you know been a lot more progressive on this topic but and we're sort of getting the hand-me-downs in a way aren't we you know the event the, the eventual breakdown of the stigma and improving of, of, of the yeah. kind of way it's dealt with but at the same time i can't complain because it does mean things you know do seem to be sort of slowly improving and whatnot and i guess if like usa came out in their next report and said oh yeah we, we spoke with this person from the uk and we shared this information then they'd be like they can no longer say then we don't do anything because we know you do now. They can't deny it anymore. Because we know they do. We know they do. It's just, they just. Yeah. Deny it. I mean, it's something that I find really frustrating when talking about fire requests and things. I mean, every time the US 
bring out any kind of statement or report. It always says that we will be continuing cooperation with our closest allies on this issue. So that means us, doesn't it, at the end of the day? Like we're yeah, probably 100%. the closest ally. So to think that they wouldn't be uh, collaborating and cooperating with, with us, you know, in some department somewhere, that co- collaboration is going on, but they completely won't won't admit to that at all when you when you any FOIA requests or any any questions that you might ask of them so there's only so long that they can keep doing that i think i mean the talking about FOIA requests the 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 mixed bag that you can get of responses um i've i did quite a few of them over the course of uh uh, the last year and some of them were just like completely ignored like there's a few that i actually never heard back from yeah, which is ridiculous, really, because there is actually laws in place that that require. They should have them to twenty respond. days. Yeah, so uh, some of them were like on the twentieth day, and some of them were late, and some of them literally never heard back from. So somebody needs to tell him off somewhere, I think, for that. But I was having um, a quick count. We've had nearly twenty not responded to. Yeah, that, and a lot of them late. Like we only, we got very few within the twenty days. Some came in the next month. Like I say, we've got some this week, which is like three months after we put them in. And nearly twenty no response at all. Three months yeah. later, and there's that public interest um, sort of uh, get out clause that they use as well. That one of the ones I did before I request was about um, ATIP or SAP. You know, any of the the uh, the USA kind of like efforts to look into UFOs. Of all uh, documentation, points to the fact that those efforts have collaborated with the uk so there must be some correspondence and files with those terms in but obviously they can't say oh no we don't have those files so they never have once said that they don't have files with those terms in but what they do say is that you know first of all they ask for longer to deal with the request and then that goes on for some time and then eventually i think i shared one with you a while back, you get the public interest uh, response, which is basically we weighed it up and we've decided that it's not in the public interest to confirm or deny whether or not we have these documents. So obviously, if they didn't have the documents, they'd just say, but they don't yeah. say that, do they? So it's like, um, but on the other hand, though, um, something I've talked about before uh, is uh, so some of the, like you mentioned about that particular police force who are really, really helpful. Um, there's been a few brilliant fire request responses that I've had. One of them was the UK Hydrographic Office, and mm. they sent me back like a three A four page response with all this information and like explaining how they go about um, detecting underwater anomalies. You know, because there's all this discussion of transmedium vehicles and transmedium objects. I thought, mm. why not ask the Hydrographic Office? And they were amazing. I even cool. I even sent them back a. Uh, some follow-up questions and they sent a really big long response back to that again and it's uh yeah i think there's somebody that's very enthusiastic in the uh fire department of the hydrographic office or perhaps they have a bit of an interest in the topic as well but that's all you need i think it's that one person who be like yeah i'll, I'll do that let me, i'll deal with this let me take that out uh... absolutely yeah what was interesting about that particular one was it's uh it's something that's actually come up over the last week as well, which is uh, really interesting to see the link, you know, with these objects that were downed, shot down. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently they opened up after the initial Chinese spy balloon, they opened up some of the filters and parameters on the sensor systems and uh, they were then able to pick up other objects, which they had seen. Now, obviously whether that's actually what happened is not exactly clear, but the response from the hydrographic office was basically saying, um, and this is going back like a, probably about a year ago now, 
Um, they were basically, it's May 2022 it was, I'm just checking, I've just got it here now. And they were basically saying that that's exactly what they do with their underwater sensor systems. Because, I mean, their systems are unbelievably capable, but they can't detect everything. So they specifically tune their filters on the sensor systems to only detect things that they have determined might be like a shipping hazard or whatever. So yeah, they, yeah. They, they confirmed to me even back then that they, they have filters on the sensor systems that, that filter off certain things. And obviously if there is something anomalous, that probably comes under those filters. They just, they just you know, disregard the, the data because they're not looking for something that behaves in that way, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, very yeah, interesting. Anyway, it's a positive uh, result sometimes and uh, no results a lot of the time. And <laughs> You see the one I got? It was West Yorkshire Police, and they sent me 17 pages reply, and it was all redacted. It was just 17 black pages. Oh, no. Everything just blacked out. It's like, time would have talked to blank out 17 pages to say we're not getting information. Like, So they sent me 17 pages of information, but I just can't read any of it because it's all blacked out. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. All right. Well, we keep plugging away. Um, but, yeah, so any other bits you want to add before we uh, wrap up? I think that's it, really. I think I'd encourage anyone to make a report, whether it's to us, UFO Identified, to MUFON, whatever, just report it. They say that, what, 10% of sightings get reported. So there's 497 in the UK that's got reported. If we extrapolate that, that's 5,000. That's a hell of a lot of people seeing stuff in the sky. So, yeah, I always urge people to, no matter where you report it, just report it. You can't get a picture, do a sketch, do a drawing on Microsoft Paint, anything to sort of help your sort of testimony, send it out and keep an open mind. And if you're interested in any of our events coming up, head out to the website, ufoidentified.co.uk. We have conferences, we have regular meetups, sky watches. You want to be part of a group, come find us. Exactly. And uh, on that bombshell, I think we'll leave it there, eh? <laughs> so, um, yeah, nice one. Thanks very much uh, for joining me. I've, I found that really interesting. I think the listeners will get a lot from that. And obviously, folks can check out the website and, and uh, keep up with uh, when the meetups are and the um, the sky watching and the, and the mini cons and whatever else you end up having planned for the future. So, yeah, cheers. I really appreciate yeah, you coming. Nice on. I hope everyone understood me. My mouth is so dry. I hope I. Hope everyone hear me properly. Yeah, it's all good, mate. Don't worry. (laughs) All right, nice one. UFO Secret Podcast.